Hello and welcome to The Shepherd's Voice, the podcast of Catoctin Covenant Presbyterian Church here in Percival, Virginia. My name is Pastor Ben Franks and I'm here with Pastor Charles Biggs. Good morning. Good morning. So today we continue our our series through the Heidelberg Catechism and we want to look at Lord's Day 2. There's actually three questions here, um, fairly short, uh, but, but very rich for us as well. So let me read those for us. Question three, how do you come to know your misery? Answer, the law of God tells me. Question four, what does God's law require of us? Answer, Christ teaches us this in summary in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then question five. Can you live up to all this perfectly? Answer. No. I have a natural tendency to hate God and my neighbor. Well, Pastor Biggs, uh, a very different tone in a sense from the first Lord's Day, but what are some highlights for us from Lord's Day 2? What I want to note first is how uh, man is described as miserable. And that's the tone, and you've already highlighted. Um, we find in the law of God with question three, um, how do we know our misery before God? We find out from the law of God. Uh, the law of God teaches us how far short we fall of God's glory, of what we were created to be, how we were created to live uh, for God's glory and for our good. Um, when we think of uh, the law, we know it's preceded by, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's preceded by uh, grace, by God's good grace. But we're taught that we're, by nature, idolaters. We're those who want pictures of God and to worship God in our own way. We're those who take God's name in vain or don't honor him as we should in his character and his attributes, his presence with us. We're those who profane his Sabbath. If that's not enough, what we've done against, a triune, against the triune God, the thrice holy God, the wonderfully kind and merciful, good Heavenly Father, we've also dishonored our authorities, our fathers, our mothers. Um, we've murdered from the heart. We've hated. We've called people fools. We've lusted. We've committed immorality um, and oftentimes fornication in our minds and sometimes uh, with our bodies. Um, we've stolen from God. We've lied. And we have a constant desire for more, more, more. We're never satisfied as God's beings, as his creatures by nature. We're miserable. And that's where uh, we're met in that third question. After we hear of the comfort and the summary of the gospel, we're told about our guilt, real guilt before God. And in order to appreciate God and what he's done for us in Christ and how much he's condescended not just to create us, but to then covenant with us, to, to form a relationship with us, and we transgress that covenant. And then he said, I have another covenant, one I've made with my son in the power and love of the Holy Spirit, that I'm going to redeem you anyway, those I love. It's overwhelming. We should be in awe and, of course, grace and gratitude. But for now, the law gives us a knowledge of our sins. 
We want to know how wicked we are. We want to know how far short we fall of God. It's not just about our behavior. That'd be easy because we can fake that before other people. It's about motivation. What do we do things for? A lot of times we do things for our own glory. Um, we all have an angle, you know, we, 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 to do something for ourselves. The, the law tells us that we are those who by nature hate God and our neighbors ourselves. Now, I want to come back to that because that sounds really strong. It's like, I never hated God. But let's look at that in a moment. But the Lord Jesus is quoted in question four uh, as giving us a summary of the law that I just laid out. And he tells us in Matthew 22, uh, verses 37 to 40, um, the summary of the law is to love God with everything in us and our neighbor as ourselves. That's what we were created to be. That's who we are uh, as image bearers before sin came into the world, before it broke us, um, before it caused us to rebel and transgress and hurt God and hurt others. Um, and so we're told that, uh, and, and hopefully by God's Holy Spirit, we come to the place where we feel guilty and we know that we are guilty. And I'm not, I want to emphasize that feeling guilty is, is good, but we want to know we're objectively guilty and therefore under God's eternal sentence of wrath and punishment. The wrath of God abides on anyone who has not trusted in Christ. And so we're told in question five that no matter how good we try to be, it's never from the heart. It's never, we're never, we don't have the ability to do things for God's glory and the good of others. Uh, selflessly unless the Holy Spirit acts upon us in his power and grace in raising our dead hearts from the dead. That's why Ephesians 2 tell us that we are dead in trespasses and sins. Um, and so question 5 says, can you keep any uh, all of these things perfectly? Because if you remember in our Lord's um, exposition of the law in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, uh, he goes through and says, you've heard that it says, you know, don't murder, but I tell you, that murdering the law is spiritual, it has to do with you thinking evil in your heart. Have you been angry? Have you been bitter? Have you envied? Then you've committed murder, potentially, at least in God's eyes, and you'll be judged for it. But then he says something that's, uh, that, that, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit will cause us to hear, to know we're objectively guilty when he says in Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. Why we go, I can't do that. I cannot love my neighbor, uh, can't love God and my neighbor perfectly. As Jeremiah says, can the Ethiopian change his skin? Can the leopard his spots? Um, none of us can do good. We're all accustomed to doing evil. Uh, the carnal mind is enmity against God, Romans 8. Um, Galatians 5 tells us that the works of the flesh are manifest for all to see. They're all law-breaking. It's all a manifestation of law-breaking, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Notice that uncleanness is something within the heart, lasciviousness, idolatry, something that's not necessarily outside, but something we love more than God, our creator, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such life, and such like. And then the scripture that, uh, that is referred to uh, in that we hate God and our neighbor as ourselves, this is often... Uh, well, this is something that only the Holy Spirit can, can grant us the ability to admit this, to confess this honestly. It's in Titus 3. You remember when Titus is telling us about this glorious salvation, or when Paul's tell, teaching Titus, I should say, in the book of Titus. It says in chapter 3, 
verse 3 of Titus. Paul says, we ourselves, so he's saying, myself included, <laughs> you too, Titus, and all of us, he says, we were once foolish, we were disobedient, we were led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But here's the glorious good news. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. None of us can be perfect. None of us can do good. No, not one. But according to his own mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So this second Lord's Day or second Sabbath day is hard for us. It's about misery, and the tone is miserable. But by God's grace, the Spirit can use this in our lives and in the lives of our children to see that we're not just feeling guilty, but we are objectively guilty, and to run to a Savior who promises um, to save us, who, who, who says that I have come to be the Savior of sin, or as the wonderful Scripture teaches us, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would never perish but have everlasting life. He didn't send the Son in the world, condemn the world, the first coming, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And then we're told that he who would reject the Son, the wrath of God abides on him. And so this misery, by God's grace and spirit, will lead us to run to Christ for his perfection, for his righteousness, for his perfect life in our place. Yeah, so that bad news is the beginning of the good news. It's what we need. And I was, um, Kevin DeYoung has a, a book he wrote, I guess, I guess it was 10 years ago, because it was the 450th anniversary of the Heidelberg Catechism, called The Good News We Almost Forgot, Rediscovering the Gospel in a 16th Century Catechism. And he just takes a few pages to kind of walk through each of these Lord's Days. And one of the things he mentions in, in talking about this Lord's Day 2 is how, you know, so often uh, those, maybe even in the church, um, but sometimes outside the church as well, will want to kind of brush aside God's law, brush aside the misery and the guilt. Is They'll try to just pick a passage that they think is is kind of a, a warm, gentle summary of generic good-naturedness, you know, Micah 6, 8, or the, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, or, or Matthew 22, just, you know, love God, love people, and, and that's it. And he says there's a wisdom here that, that the Catechism goes to one of those summaries of the law and says, if you really understand what Christ is calling us to, remember that when Jesus said this, you know, love God, love your neighbor, that, that wasn't a flippant way of dismissing the law. It was a way of actually bringing to conviction those who thought they had kept the law, those who were self-righteous, and showing them that the law extended far beyond what they had imagined. And, and that's something that we need to be sobered by. But uh, also to see how, even in talking about this misery, the catechism is slipping in this, this note of grace um, yes. that, uh, that, you know, Christ is the one who is, who is going to enable us uh, to, uh, to, to love the Lord God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. You know, in, when Christ is saying this to his disciples and to the Pharisees, uh, it is to help them to see, like you said, that objective guilt, which should then lead them to recognize that misery they live in. But it's also a call for them to come to him and to receive in him the one who does keep the law perfectly. And as we'll see, who can redeem us from that sin and misery. 
So it's it's something that uh, you know we we we, we want to be brought back to every day. And as you said, we can begin every gospel presentation to others and to ourselves with this with this pattern. And and if I may say um, th- these two more th- two more things uh, without making this podcast particularly too long, but in in response to what you're saying, I think this is important to take this moment. Is that when we're preparing to teach or preach and we're interacting in evangelism, let us remember these three G's and remember how important this first one is to communicate as clearly as possible the guilt that we objectively have before God so that man will know uh, his or her need um, to, to teach that this is um, the, the law of God that, that teaches us about the perfect righteousness that God requires and then that leads us to what you just pointed out very usefully, very helpfully, is that when we know what God requires, we will then be able to look to Christ the Savior and know that all that God requires of mankind, he provides for us in the righteousness of Jesus. And I think one thing that's comforting <laughs> about this catechism is that the, the misery part is only, you know, questions 3 through 11. The, 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 there's an abundantly more to say on the glorious gospel in chapters 12 through, what is it, 85? 85. And, um, and, and particularly, you've noted perhaps one thing that I think is unique about this catechism is there is a section not just on the work of Christ, but the person of the Jesus Christ, a, a section that, that uh, several questions on his incarnation to remind us of the unfathomable love of the Father in Christ who took our nature to redeem us uh, from sin, but to particularly keep the law on our behalf in our nature, earning a perfect righteousness that we receive by faith that's imputed to us as if we've never sinned. If you'd like to learn more, you can find resources about this and many other topics on our church website, www.catoctin.org. That's www.ketoctin.org. You can find out more about the work of Pastor Biggs as the regional home missionary of the Presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic at www.joiningtheharvest.org. If you found this episode to be useful, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. If you have questions that you would like us to answer or consider in a future episode, you can send those to us at shepherdsvoicepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we encourage you to join us for our next episode of The Shepherd's Voice.